Welcome to the teaching ministry of Rev. Daryl Baker, pastor of Christian Faith Fellowship. Pastor Baker is fulfilling the call of God on his life to preach the Word of God without compromise. Raising up disciples who through faith in God will have a powerful impact on our world. May you be blessed through the message that Pastor Baker has to share with you today. May God's very best be yours. Romans chapter 12. So this, t- tonight, I'm not going to take time to turn back to what we've been looking at in the sixth attribute of a disciple. In John 13, 35, Jesus said, it is by this all will know. Say all will know. By this all will know you're my disciples. How? How will they know it? By the love you have for one another. Disciples walk in the love of God. He said, by this all will know you are my disciples. All will know you are my disciples by the love you have for one another. Disciples walk in the love of God. That's a given because clearly a disciple, again, is like their teacher. Who's who's our teacher that we're wanting to be discipled by? Jesus Christ. Did Jesus walk in love? Sure did. So if he did, we're going to. And how powerful for us to walk in that same love. Amen. It's a part of your new recreated human spirit as we're going to talk about tonight. So tonight, as we've already discussed in this part of our series about walking in love, we've been spending, I think this is the fourth time that we've talked about the significance of walking in God's love. We've under, we found out and understood from Scripture what the Bible teaches us God's love looks like and what the Bible teaches us God's love is not. And then we talked about again this morning all the different aspects of what we see of the significance of walking in the love of God. The effects in the context of what would be not good, but even the things that would be good, walking in his love. Tonight, I'm going to give you six things. If you're taking notes, be good to jot them down. Remind yourself of them. Have them written down somewhere. If you think walking in love is important, I would want to be able to remember these six things to help me to walk in the love of God. These are the things that Scripture teaches us. If you want to truly experience this love walk of truly being a disciple, without a doubt, these will help you do so. In Romans chapter 12, this is some pretty familiar ground, of course, pretty familiar territory. Romans chapter 12, verse 1, Paul said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. So we know clearly, obviously, uh, just the letter itself written to the church at Rome, but he's defining clearly, he's talking to believers here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. I've told you this before. That phrase, if you look that phrase up in the Greek language, says this. I urge you, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies is benefits. Benefits. I urge you by the benefits of God. Say, God has benefits for me. You know, God's benefits benefits are like what's in an issue of a contract that somebody gives you. Say you went to work for somebody, they put in a contract. Okay, so you already know you're going to get this much on your salary, but here's some benefits. You're going to get a retirement plan. You're going to get insurance, all these different things. Well, benefits are not extra thrown in at the discretion of the employer. They're part of the contract. God's saying, I have these benefits for you, which are part of what? Our covenant contract with God. How many want to walk in them? That's about three of you. He said, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, by the benefits of God, notice I am urging you that you do what? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Now, you have to do something with your body. 
If you don't do something with your body, that old fleshly nature, I will guarantee you, our pastor, an easy way to say this, because in relationship to the old fleshly nature, we're talking about the old way of thinking as far as even the soul goes. So if you look at your soul in the context of its makeup unrenewed to the word of God, you know what the soul does automatically on its own? It runs to what it wants or what it fears. And that's the flesh. The flesh is going to run to what it wants or what it fears. If I don't deal with my body, it'll run to what it wants. Mm -hmm. If I went by my body today, based on what my body wants, I'd be, I'd be home asleep in bed taking a nap. That's what my body wants, but that's not what I'm going to give it. I am going to do what? I am going to make sure that I offer my body as a living sacrifice. Now that's difficult, more difficult than you realize, because a living sacrifice means, guess what? It's still alive. But you're sacrificing it. And it's kind of like, you know, uh, we talked about this in relationship to uh, Abraham taking Isaac up to that you know, altar to offer him. When you try to offer up a living sacrifice, you know what the living sacrifice wants to do. Get off the altar. It wants to get off that altar. So you got it. And that's why Paul said, I die daily. He did this every single day. This is not in the essence of you on your own, by your own strength, trying to live a perfect, holy, righteous life. You're already holy. You're already righteous. You should do what's right. But if you don't deal with your body again, it's going to run to what it wants or what it fears. And that's not God. So you have to deal with your body. So you got to deal with your body. Our, our latest phrase of our pastor now for a handful of years, deal with yourself. Talking about the old nature. Verse 2, watch this. And do not be conformed. Do not be conformed. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Transformed. Underline that, transformed. So, you know, they've got these toys. Anybody seen the Transformers? You know, they got these toys that are like a car and then it transforms into a big robot. Well, this is what it's actually saying. It's talking about you going from one actual view of how you've lived your life to being transformed and living a whole different life, which is bringing that new man out. Amen? It's kind of like that Transformer guy. He's in there. But it needs to go through the transformation to see it. So he says, don't be conformed to this world. <clears throat> but I thought I'd get a few more amens out of the kids on that. I guess maybe I, I'm not into transformers. I've seen some stuff on them. Notice this. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by what? Tell me. As well as you know it. Make sure you have that underlined or noted in your Bible by the renewing of your mind. Now that just simply, if you want to simplify it, the way you think. Amen. The way you think. Renew the way you think. That you may then what? Prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. You know, I haven't shared this in a while, but um, I, every time I look at this verse, I'm reminded of when I was going to Bible school. I was at Emmaus Road Ministry School one day. I was, uh, this is something that I was being taught in school at the time. You need to meditate on Scripture daily. I thought, Lord, I'm not doing that. I'm not taking time daily to meditate on Scripture. I need to do that. I know I need to do that. And at the time, I was in Romans 12. I was actually spending a lot of time on these two verses. So I'm driving home one day, going down, uh, <clears throat> what is that highway from Grapevine? I can't even think. Not one, no, it's a north and south highway. 121, I think. I think it's 121. Anyway, I'm driving, I'm coming north, driving down the road, <clears throat> and I'm... <clears throat> I meditate. How do you meditate? I'm meditating on the second verse. And I'm just driving down the road going, <clears throat> do not be conformed to this world. Do not be conformed. Do not be conformed. 
of this world. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed. So I just, over and over and over again. And all of a sudden, without even thinking, without even thinking, I knew it was the Holy Ghost. Right up out of my spirit and it came through my mouth. That doesn't happen a lot if you don't meditate on the word. But it will if you do. As I'm driving down the road, this comes out of my mouth. Do not be conned into being formed like the world. If you're conformed into the fashion of what the world looks like, you've been conned. You know why you've been conned? If, if I look like, sound like, and live like the world, why have I been conned? Because that ain't you. That ain't the new you. The new you looks nothing like the world. Amen? But right at the time I said that, now listen, I'm very careful about this because God doesn't, God already spoke to me. God already spoke that to my spirit. But right at the time I looked over to the side of the highway and I saw a beautiful paint horse. He was in a little round pen. And, and he's standing in this little round pen. And in this round pen is, is, man, I mean, great looking alfalfa hay and a feeder and everything. But you know what this horse is doing? If you've ever seen, have you ever seen a round pen? You put a horse in a round pen over a while and guess what? If there was any grass in that round pen, there won't be any. It'll turn to dirt. <clears throat> Him eating it and walking on it and all that. But he's got this alfalfa, this great looking flake of alfalfa sitting in a feeder. And this horse is literally, I mean, I wish I, there was no cell phone. I didn't have cell phone then. I would, I'd love to have a picture of it. He is down all the way on his belly with his back legs straight. He's standing straight on his back legs. But his whole front of his body's on the ground like this with his head laid down on the ground flat. <clears throat> and he's got his head going out from underneath that round pen trying to eat some grass on the other side of that round pen. And right when I said, do not be conned into being formed, I looked up and saw that. And the Lord said, guess what? He thinks that grass is better than his alfalfa. He's been conned. He's been conned. This is what the devil does. He tries to get you to get in all kinds of compromising positions to think what you're going after is better. But it's not. It's not better than the real you. I said, it's not better than the real you. And that grass was not better than what, what he already had available for him to feed. But just allowing himself to get in that position, I thought, man, boy, I'll tell you what, if something spooked that horse all of a sudden or whatever, my goodness, no tell what would happen to that horse and the position he's in. So <clears throat> we don't want to be conned into being formed like the world. Say, I do not want to be conned into being formed like the world. Well, guess what? You will unless you are transformed, Mr. Transformer, Mrs. Transformer. How? By the renewing of your mind. Now, the phrase renewing of your mind is not a quote-unquote phrase of a one-time deal. It's an ongoing active verb form of a word. So it means we never stop renewing our mind. Meaning what? We should be going through continual transformation process by the continuing renewing of our minds. So don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So is it God's perfect will for us to walk in love? You bet it is as a disciple. So number one, number one, if you're going to walk in the love of God, what are you going to have to do? Renew your mind, wait a minute, to what God's love is. Not just love. You're going to have to renew your mind to what God's love is. So I have a question that begs another uh, question that pops up then. If I'm to renew my mind to what God's love is, where's the best place I could do that? Anybody know? <clears throat> Word, absolutely. But where? Like uh, Song of Solomon or like the uh, book of Job or uh, 
How about Nehemiah or Jeremiah or, huh? First Corinthians 13. If you want to renew your mind to walk in love, go to First Corinthians 13 and camp on verses 4 through 8. Verses 4 through 8. Brother Hagin, one of the first churches he took over, he said, man, they were constantly going at each other in this church. He said, I would prepare a message. I'd get so excited. I'd get up on a Sunday to preach it. But sure enough, before service, man, I have a deacon punch somebody out in the parking lot. I'd, seriously. He said, I, or I'd have somebody else going after somebody or something, you know, something going on all the time. And I'd get up there all excited about preaching my message. And here would be all this strife and hate going on. I'd say, okay, Lord, I'm preaching on love again. And he'd go to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8. After preaching on it for a while, he told him, he said, if you truly believe that I'm your pastor, if you truly believe God called me here to be your pastor, then I have a God-given assignment for you. Next 30 days, you go and take 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8, you read it at least no less than once a day. <clears throat> I actually encourage you to do it at least three times a day, no less than once a day. And don't just read it, say, I read it and turn your book and close your Bible and just go off and do something else. You take time to think about what it's telling you, grab a part of it and meditate on that the rest of the day. And he said, I, I'm telling you, for the next 30 days, you do this. So, you know, back in those days when a pastor spoke to their congregation, they took it serious. It wasn't like, oh, that's just pastor. They said, he's hearing from God. We need to do what God's telling us to do. And so they did. And guess what happened within 30 days? All the fighting stopped. All the, all the arguments stopped. All the disunity stopped. All the problems stopped. And guess what started showing up in their church? Power of God. Right. Anointing of God. See, one of the things you're going to learn about when I get into this series on the glory, uh, for the glory of God to be manifest in a church setting, in a church body, there's got to be unity. Well, how do you get unity? Walk in love. It's the only way. If you don't walk in the love of God, there'll be no unity. Because guess what? The love of God isn't out to get what it wants. Are you listening? You don't walk in unity without walking in the love of God. Because if you're not walking in the love of God, you know what that means? You want what you want. And if things aren't going the way, I don't like that song. I, I, I don't want the service. I don't want the worship service to stop yet. I want it to go on. Oh, it's too long. We've been standing long enough. We need to sit down. I mean, gosh, man, if you went around all the room, you know, it's too hot in here. What's wrong with these people, man? They just keep heat. Man, it's too cold. I wish somebody would do something about, you know, at least heating the room up a little bit. We're freezing in here. Can't they see we're all wearing parkas, you know, and hoods and stuff? And what's the deal? So, I mean, seriously, if you went around the room, watch this. Who's, who's warm right now? Who's too warm right now? Who's too cold right now? There's hands everywhere. See, there's warm and cold. So what are you going to go by? Who's just right? Let me see your hand. Wow, that's pretty good tonight. That's pretty unusual right there. But you know, in the truth, the truth of the matter is, I don't care what you look at in church, there's always going to be people, oh, no, I want this, no, I want that. Well, there's, you're never going to get in unity that way. How do you get in unity? Walk in love. Walk in the love of God. Well, you're not going to walk in the love of God. How important, again, this morning, what we talked about, walking in love, how important is walking in love? So if my faith wasn't working, if my prayers weren't working, let me give you a word. If you're not seeing results, let me give you a word. Go camp out in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 8 and meditate on those verses. Make sure, make sure you're getting it in your spirit 
that you're hearing from God, that you're hearing what God's showing you in those verses, and that you're walking out uh, what the Bible teaches. So number one, you're not going to walk in love without what? Transformation. It won't take place without the renewal of the mind. So you must renew your mind. There is no renew. There is no transformation in any part of your life bringing out the new man. What are you actually transforming into again? The guy that's already on the inside. So the transformer card thing is a great example because the guy's in there. But what you got to do is go through the transformation. Only way you do that is by the renewing of your mind. Back up to Romans 5. So number one, to walk in love, what do you got to do? You got to renew your mind to the Word of God. No renewal of the mind of the Word of God in any area. Just name an area. I mean, if you name an area of bringing out what is a part of your new man, if you don't renew your mind to that new guy, it's not going to happen. Thus saith the Bible. A lot of Christians think that it, you know, it, it's kind of like marriage. Kind of like marriage. Because like me, when I got married, I figured, man, I found my girl. I know it. God's told me that. She knows that. She's confirmed it. Her mom and dad aren't willing to beat me off with a stick. They're okay with it as long as I take the dog, her dad said. I'll never forget that. She had a, she had a dog named Rusty. And, uh, and, and her daddy's so sweet, man. I, I just, I never expected this. How many of you knew Daddy Joe? I never expected this from Daddy. I never did. When, when I went to him to ask her, ask him if I could have her hand in marriage, I thought he'd say, oh, praise God, son, we're so glad. We just believe God. We know that this is of God. I just really expected it, right? Well, I kind of got that from Mama, but I didn't get that from Daddy. I talked to him first. I said, well, uh, Mr. Smart, I'd like to know if I could have your daughter's hand in marriage. He said, if you take the dog. <laughs> okay. Okay. I'll take the dog. He later laughed and he said, I knew you'd get a kick out of that, man. So anyway, and Rusty wound up becoming my dog, by the way. She was, she was a great dog. So you got to understand this. This is important. You're not going to be transformed without the renewing of your mind. It's not going to work. You could know that in essence, what I was going to say is you could know what I already have in me. You could know what's already mine. What I have is of a new nature. Like again with Kathy, uh, you can't treat it like a marriage. Okay, so once we go to the altar and say I do, it just happens. No, no. You just began creating a marriage. Now you got to go to work. So it's like getting born again. When you get born again, all that new nature comes within you. But guess what? You just began. And some people just sit back and think somehow it just comes out. Somehow it just happens. Nope. Got to renew your mind. Got to renew your mind. All right. Romans 5.5. 5. You still with me? Romans 5.5. 5. This is powerful. Actually, we'll throw in a couple extra verses. Verse 1. Therefore, having been justified by what? What's justified mean? Just as if I never sinned. What's the biblical definition? Declared righteous, declared right with God. Having been justified by faith, we have, what do we have? Guess what? There's no war between you and God anymore. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, through whom we also have access. Say, I have access. We have access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And that means you and I can continue to receive what we don't deserve. We have access to it by faith. I said by faith. And therefore we rejoice in what? The hope of the glory of God to become that glorious church and the glory that's to come. Verse 3, not only that, but we also glory in what? Tribulations. Huh? Yeah, because if you live godly, you're going to obviously be persecuted. 
So we glory in tribulations knowing that tribulation produces perseverance and perseverance character and character produces more hope. Five, now hope does not disappoint because, because, how does hope not disappoint? An expectation of good to come. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. God poured his love out into us, our new spirit man, when we got born again. And therefore that love is proof that when we expect good from God and exercise our faith, we know it will happen because he loves us. Can I get a better amen? Now, this is important. Therefore, number two, to walk in the love of God, write this down, please. You need to get it. You need to recognize his love for you. You need to recognize his love for you. Maybe you might want to say acknowledge. You need to acknowledge or and or recognize his love for you. This is how we know we have hope because guess what? He's proven his love for us. He poured it out in our heart when we got born again. A lot of Christians don't walk in love. You know why? They don't recognize it's in there. They don't recognize it's in there. I don't know how many times, um, trying to think of an incident recently, because it did, there was an incident recently that happened. Um, I was asking you for something, I think, where I was trying to find something, whatever. I said, man, I've been all through that cabinet. Do you know where this is at? She walks right up, opens the cabinet, says, here it is. Huh? Pencil. Oh, yeah, I was trying to find a pencil. Because I need to do some marking, you know, I'm always having to hang something at the house or put something up or fix. So I just need a pencil. I'm like, man, I looked everywhere. Do, you, do we have any pencils? She goes, opens the junk drawer. And she says, right here. I said, I look through the whole drawer. She says, it's right here. <laughs> Why did I not get the benefit of it? Listen to me. Why did I not get the benefit of it? I didn't recognize it. I didn't recognize it. Do you really recognize how much God loves you every day? Do you take time to recognize it? Because if you don't, you won't walk in it. How can you walk in what you don't recognize? How do you walk in what you don't acknowledge? If I don't acknowledge the pencils there, I don't get the benefit. Right? If you don't acknowledge the love of God's in you, guess what? You don't get the benefit. So he's clearly telling me and you, for us to have an expectation of good to come, guess what helps me to have that expectation of good to come? Recognizing. The love of God's already in me. He's already proven his love by putting that love in me. If he didn't love you, he'd have never put his love in you. I said, if he didn't love you, he would have never put his love in you. So I have to recognize that love is in there. Say it's in there. So if that love is in there and I recognize it and acknowledge it, that can help me walk in what I know I already have. Walk in what he's already given me. Now, read this again. Hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been. Say has been. God's love has been poured out in our hearts by who? By who? The Holy Spirit was given to us. Question, is the Holy Spirit an emotion? No. So therefore, guess what the love of God is not? It's not an emotion because it's a part of God, God himself. Point number three, to walk in the love of God, you also got to do what? Remind yourself it is not an emotion. He didn't pour an emotion into you. He poured love into you. Poured a part of him into you. One of the things that hinders a lot of Christians from walking in love is they're still going by their emotions, how they feel about it. If you're going to walk in the love of God, you need to remind yourself, God's love is not an emotion. Say it. God's love. Say it again, please. One more time. It's not an emotion. 
So many Christians do not walk in the reality of God's love because they're waiting for an emotion. They're waiting to feel something. They're waiting to have a good feeling about something or a good feeling about a person or whatever. It is not an emotion. It'll change emotions because it's God himself, as we've already talked about. But to walk in that love, I've got to remind myself that. Why? Why would I have to remind myself it's not an emotion since I've been born again? Why would I have to do that? Because guess when you showed love before you got born again? You based it on emotions. You didn't have unconditional love. So guess what you based it on? A feeling, an emotion. If you felt good about somebody, felt good about the way they treated you, then obviously you showed a form of love back to them. But it wasn't a God kind. Because that's a basis of an emotion. So guess what you were conditioned to think about, to walk in, and to live out in your life all the way up in the t- until the time you got born again. You were conditioned to walk in love as an emotion. You were conditioned by the world to think love's an emotion. Why? Here's a good one, right? I, I don't think I had this on the Joe McGee videos of the night. Wasn't that good? Yeah. I like the Tim Hawkins one. Yeah. Learn your wife. Yeah. Praise the Lord. But, you know, it's, he, he brings it up. I don't think I had it on one of those videos, but he's got it on some of his teachings. You know, a lot of people can make this statement. He, uh, he, had, a, he had a couple that he counseled, him and his wife counseled. Imagine this for a year, once a week. Wow. For a whole year. He was, a, he was a part of a staff of a church, staff member of the church. They were also still operating his own ministry. And this couple came to them knowing that he had, you know, major understanding of marriage and stuff, needed some help in their marriage. And so they came to him for a year. They worked with him for a year. At the end of a year, he, the lady comes to him, and the, the gal, the couple comes to him. She says, well, Brother Joe, just want you to know, I appreciate all that you tried to help us to do and everything, but uh, we're divorcing. He said, what? <laughs> said, we're divorcing. He said, why? We've fallen out of love. Uh, excuse me? We've fallen out of love. When did you fall in? <laughs> well, you know, way back then. How did you fall into it? How did you just fall into it? Uh, I don't know that. Then how can you fall out of it? You don't fall out of love. You choose to love. You don't fall in or fall out. You choose to. Well, we've just fallen out of love. No, you haven't. You've just chosen not to love anymore. Thank you for all your amends about that. Now, you know, in a marriage, it takes two people. But I'm just explaining to you, you don't fall out of love. Well, I don't love him anymore. Oh, Jesus said, love your enemies. I'll wait. Jesus said, love you. See, you're, you're so, you don't even realize. You just don't even realize as a human on the planet before you got born again, how much you equate love with emotions. Well, we've fallen out of love. You know what you're saying? I don't have any emotional feelings for them anymore. Doesn't mean you can't love them. Because it's not an emotion. See, some of you, this is just going right past you. You're not grabbing what the, grasping what the point is. And it's powerful. If you're going to walk in the love of God, you've got to remind yourself, it is not an emotion. If I'm waiting for an emotion or a feeling, come on. Well, I'm just waiting for my feelings to change. So maybe we can fall back in love. That is not love. That's a form of human love, phileo, but it's not God's love. If you want a good marriage like I've got, if you want a good marriage that works, it ain't going to work on phileo love. Are you kidding me? That ain't going to happen. You're going to want to slap each other all the time. If you go by phileo love, but I'm telling you, if you go by agape love, it'll change how you feel about each other. I said it will change. 
It will change. It will change how you feel about one another. You don't put the feeling part first. You put the love part first. You do the agape love. Is that just, is that plain enough yet? So you can't look at love as an emotion. Well, I don't, Pastor. Are you kidding me? How many times do we treat people differently based on how they treated us because of how we feel? Somebody didn't treat me very nice at the store today. So guess what? We don't show them. We don't show them unconditional love. Oh, this is a good one for me. You ready? This is a good one for me. A lot of people say, well, I'm not tipping tipping them very good today. They didn't do a very good job waiting on us. Oh, I didn't know waiting, uh, tipping them was based on how well they waited on you. Well, that's what I base it on, conditional. Yeah, I'll wait. Conditional. You ought to be glad you had somebody to wait on you. Y'all be, y'all be glad somebody was able to go, get the, go find the kitchen, find the food that was yours, not somebody else's, and get it out there to you. Right. See, we're so based on condition. Well, I, I don't tip unless they do well with, by me, unless they serve me well. Listen, man, they're working. It, can you imagine? Can you imagine telling uh, you know you you hire somebody to do a job in relationship to aspects of what they're doing, etc. and Maybe they're not obviously the nicest person that day while they're doing their job and doing things perfect and right and all that. But you're going to base on, on as far as how you pay them on how well they do in relationship to what you think is good or not. I tip them the same no matter what the situation is because you know what? If you know my, my grandma, I don't do it just because of this. My grandma, well, back in the day, they called them waitresses and waiters. I know they call them servers today. I'm sorry. They called her a waitress. She was a waitress all of her life. And you know, my grandma lived off of those tips. Because if you know anybody that serves in a, in a context of a food place, you know, they don't even make minimum wage. <clears throat> they make very little amount of money per hour. What do they live off of? Those tips. I want to bless them and their family help them out just as much as somebody helps me out. I don't tip based on how well they did. If I start tipping on how well they did, I'm back to doing stuff based on how people treat me. That's right. Come on, that'll, that'll flow over into your love walk. Come on. That's right. Well, I'm not going to really love them unless they love me. Well, here you go again. See, you're back to conditions. Say love, love. is not an emotion. Not. I can see you like that third one, so I'll move on. But you need to realize that <clears throat> even not even thinking about it, you're just conditioned that way because of how you've lived so long. <laughs> Basing love on an emotion. Go to Galatians 5. So you cannot base love on an emotion because it is not. It is God himself and God. Say God. God. Say God, God is not an emotion. So that love that he gave us was a part of him. And that, get, that love is in there. We got to recognize it. Every day you ought to wake up. Obviously, to some degree of your day, you ought to wake up at some point in your day and say, Lord, thank you that you love me so much that you've forgiven me everything. Thank you for what Jesus did to prove your love to me. A lot of people don't take time to recognize his love. Boy, Brother Hagin did. Brother Hagin had a series on knowing God as Father. And he would thank God all the time for how much he loved him and how much he had provided for him and done for him. Well, no wonder his faith was so great. Because he would recognize the love of God in his life. As I told you this morning, it's not just walking in the love of how you treat others. It's also walking in the reality of his love for you. If you walk in the reality of his love for you, you know God has no problem blessing you. Come on, somebody. God has no problem doing what he's promised in his word to you. Why? He loves you. Why would he, why would he have sent his son to pay such a dear price for all these things and yet hold it back from you? 
Amen. Galatians 5, you still here? Verse 13, for you, brethren, have been called to what? <clears throat> what have you been called to? Liberty. Tell me out loud. Liberty. Shout it at me. Liberty. Which means basically what? Freedom. freedom. What have we been called to? Freedom. Only do not use this liberty or freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love do what? So he has freed us from all that old nature, all these things that that are obviously harmful in relationship to the works of Satan and all that. But don't use that as to say, now I get, my flesh just gets to do whatever it wants. Because if you do, guess what you won't do? You won't serve one another in love. You're going to be back to conditional love. 14, for all the law is fulfilled in one word. Even this, you shall love the Lord your, excuse me, you shall love your Neighbor as your, hold your place there. Go to Deuteronomy 28. How many know you're redeemed from the curse of the law? How many know Deuteronomy 28 speaks of blessings and cursings? Let me show you a revelation that the, that, uh, the Lord gave Brother Hagen. Deuteronomy 28, real quick. Deuteronomy chapter 28. If you're there, say amen. amen. If you're not, say oh me. All right. Verse 1. It shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God. To observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Look back to verse 1. If you carefully, uh, if you observe carefully all his what? If you, if you observe carefully all his what? Tell me out loud. All these blessings, and they're listed all the way down through verse 14. I don't have time. You can read them later. All these blessings will come upon you. Wait a minute. Well, that's Old Testament, Pastor. Guess what also is listed in there, beginning in verse 15? Curses. Guess what Galatians 3.13 said? You're redeemed from the curse of the law. The curse of the law means curses that would come as a result of not doing in the Old Testament what the law required. Now, we're redeemed from it. I said, we're redeemed from it. Now, notice again, verse 1 says that if you observe carefully all of his commandments, all these blessings will come upon you. Brother Hagin was reading that one day, and I don't know if this was the direct verse. It might have been because there's other places that says it, though. Go back to Galatians for a minute. Flip back over. Verse 14, all the law is fulfilled in one word. Well, what was he saying in verse 1? Keep all his commandments. That's the law. It's all fulfilled in one thing. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. He said, you want to walk in all these blessings? Uh, all these blessings, uh, Kenneth, here's what you do. You put faith in what Jesus did, but you also do what? You walk in love. If you walk in love, it's like fulfilling all the commandments of the Old Testament law. Amen. And all these blessings will come upon you. Right. Now, why would that be necessary? Why would it be necessary for us to walk in love to see all of these Old Testament blessings come to pass in our life to fulfill all the law? Why would it be necessary for us to walk in love? Faith works through love. See, our faith isn't what Jesus did for these blessings to come, but they won't work without love. Amen? So he was showing him, if you walk in love under the New Testament, you fulfill all the commandments of the law of the Old Testament. Verse 15, but, back to Galatians 5, but if you bite and devour one another, tell somebody you stop biting your neighbor. You tell them that. If you bite 
and devour one another. Beware lest you be consumed by one another. 16, I say then, do what? Walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill what? Now, I proved to you tonight, so I know I've told you this. The, the word spirits capitalized. Was any of that capitalized in the original? No. Was not. Is he really talking about the Holy Spirit here? Let's find out. Walk in the Spirit, you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Notice the difference here. He's comparing spirit to flesh. Flesh to spirit. He's talking about your old flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the Now, if that's the Holy Spirit, there's a huge battle going on inside you between the Holy Spirit and your flesh. But there's not. The battle's between your spirit, your new nature, and your old fleshly nature. For the lust, notice again, for the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary to one another so that you do not do the things that you wish. Now listen carefully. So that you do not do. Who you? Who you? The new spirit man. The guy he's talking about. Walk in the new spirit man. What will you not do? You won't walk in the ways of the of old fleshly nature. Right? Verse 18. If you're led by the spirit, you are not what? Why? If I'm led by my spirit man, my spirit man, and I'm walking in my spirit man, as we're going to see in a minute, what's the first fruit of the new recreated human spirit? So again, if I'm walking in love, as he already said up above before there, I'm not under the law. Why? I fulfill all the law. Nineteen. The works of the flesh are evident. You ready? They are what? Adultery. Fornication. Uncleanness. Lewdness. Idolatry. Sorcery. Which if you don't know there, sorcery means basically like a drug pusher or drug usage. That's what it's actually stated as in the Greek language. Hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, those who practice such things, underline that statement, practice, practice, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. I thought you just had to be born again to inherit the kingdom. If you're practicing those things according to 1 John, you're probably not saved. You're probably not born again. Because if you're practicing them, you want to get good at them. It doesn't mean you're doing them in the sense like out of ignorance or, or getting caught up in the flesh. No, you're practicing. You practice what you want to get good at. Now, here's the cool part about why I don't spend a lot of time with those things. You know why? Because everything he just said from verse 19 through 21 really does not matter. You don't need to go study them out in detail and see what they mean. Do you know why? Walk in the Spirit. You won't do any of those things. Why do I need to focus on them? Well, I need to know what these things of the flesh are so I don't walk in them. No, you don't. You're looking at the wrong thing. I've said this time and time and time again as a pastor. You know why? Because the Bible says it. And we still have some people that have a hard time getting it. You know, when people first come to us and stuff and they start going over all of their past. Let me tell you where I've been. Let me tell you what I've done. Let me tell you all that's happened in my life. So we want to spend two hours talking about you, old nature, old man, and where you came from. You know what Paul said? I forget. Do you know why you want to talk about all those things? You want attention. That's right. 
Well, you don't really understand me if you don't know where I know where, if you don't know where I came from. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't understand you if I don't know where you came from. Where did you come from? <clears throat> Evidently, you don't know that. Evidently, you don't know you came from God because you're talking about where you came from of the old nature. See, people really think I have no idea what I'm talking about when I do this. No joke. I've had multiple people just get, I mean, rail me. It's like, well, see, that's your problem. You're just not a good pastor. I said, I never thought, I, I never claimed to be one, never thought I was that great of a pastor. I'm just doing what I can to obey God. Well, you're not that great of a pastor because you don't want to hear about my past and learn about me. Uh, I don't want to talk about my past. I'm not going to sit here for the next two hours and tell you about everything I've come through. Of my past and my old nature. But you just don't know who I am. Oh, according to the Bible, I do. I think the problem is you don't know who you are because you're wanting to focus on the old nature. You're wanting to talk about that old fleshly man. Paul said, I forgot that guy. It's like dunghill. It's like the poop pile. You don't know dunghill. It's where they hauled all the poop from all the animals. I counted all this dung. Paul said it. Get mad at Paul. Paul didn't say it. Holy Spirit, true Paul said it. Some of you are just too serious, don't really hear what's going on. You, you got to understand something. Well, I don't do that. Are you sure? So I, I, told them, I, I tell them this. I say, listen, I don't need to know your past because guess what? According to the Bible, if you're born again, I already know who you are based on the Bible. We're just going to help you learn who you are. Right. Learning of the old man doesn't help you at all know who you are today. We don't need to know where you came from. We need to know where in the context of the old fleshly nature. We need to know who you now are in Christ. If you know where you really came from now that you're born again, guess what? You're a child of God. So all those things you want to spend hours talking about is a waste of time. They don't think so, but it is. Come on, man. Let's see. I'm going home tonight. I'm starting a brand new study. I am going to spend the next three months studying from verse 19 to 21 all the works of the flesh. I am just going to study, 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 study all these old works of the flesh. Why would you do that? Walk in the Spirit. They're no longer an issue. Why do you need to focus on them? And that's the problem. See, what the devil wants us to do is keep us focused on that old nature. You know why? He don't really want you to see that new guy on the inside. So he's the one trying to deceive you and mislead you. And people that will not submit to this truth under the, under the, the uh, direction of leadership by the Holy Spirit, they miss it. I watch them. They never get it. They never get it. They keep focusing on the old man. Well, if you focus on the old man, guess who you're going to walk in? The old man. How many are not going to do that? This is where you need to camp out. You ready? 22, but the fruit of the Spirit. Say the fruit of the Spirit. Hold your place there. Go to John 15. I wanted to show you. I wanted to prove to you this is not talking about, that's capitalized again, but that's not the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit. What Spirit? Your new Spirit. John 15. We taught this the other night. Always blesses me to see people getting stuff. Brandy came and I couldn't get a hold of that in the church, in the message pastor. But I went home. This is what you should do. I went home. I read it over and over again. And all of a sudden, I got it. I was like, wow, I never noticed there was a difference there. John 15, 1, I'm the true vine. 
My father is the vine dresser. Jesus said, I'm the vine. Say, he's the vine. The father is what? The vine dresser. Every branch, say, I'm the branch. Every branch in me that does not do what? Bear fruit. What does God do? He takes it away. And every branch that bears fruit, what does he do? Prunes it that it may do what? Bear, bear, uh, bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. So again, verse 2, every branch in me, if you're in him, you're born again. Every branch in me, again, that what? Does not bear fruit. What are we supposed to do? Bear fruit. Bear fruit. What kind of fruit? Galatians 5.22. The fruit of the Spirit, not the Holy Spirit. He didn't say the Holy Spirit's the branch. He said, you're the branch. He's the vine. Say, I'm the branch. Guess what the branch does? It bears fruit. If it stays connected to the vine and it learns who it is and grows, it bears fruit. What kind of fruit does it bear? Verse 22, Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against what? Again, against such there is no what? Now, we'll come back to that in just a minute. So, there's all the new fruit of the new recreated human spirit. How can we prove it? Back to John 15, because you're the branch, not the Holy Spirit. The branch connected to the vine, say, I'm the branch. The branch connected to the vine does what? Bears fruit. He's to bear fruit. What fruit? That new fruit of the new recreated human spirit. Then in verse 5, he goes on and says, Abide in me and I in you, unless the, and, and, as the branch cannot bear fruit of what? The branch cannot bear fruit of what? Of itself, meaning that if you're not connected to the vine, there's no way to bring forth that fruit. If you're not connected to the vine, what are you not? You're not born again. But if you're born again, you're connected to the vine. Abide in me, I and you, the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides where? In the vine. Neither can you unless you do what? So you can't walk in these new Galatians 5, 22, 23 fruit unless you're connected to the vine. From where you get that new spirit, man, and get that new fruit. Yes. Five, I'm the vine, John 15, five. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears what? So if you abide in me, if you abide in me, if you abide in me and I abide in you, what do you do? What kind of fruit? You, you, buy, you bear fruit of the spirit. Verse seven uh, of, uh, excuse me, verse uh, seven of uh, John 15. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be what? Now he's not talking about the branch. So he changes the phrase here and he says, if you abide in me and my words abide in you. Before he said, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you'll bear fruit. What kind of fruit? The fruit of the new recreated human spirit. But now what happens if I abide in him and I now get his words abiding in me? See, to bear the Galatians 5, 22, 23 fruit, all I got to do is be connected with him and stay connected with him. Right? But verse 7, if I abide him in his word, say his word, his word abides in me, then what can I do? Ask what you desire and it shall be done. This has nothing to do with Galatians 5, 22, 23 fruit. This has to do with senior faith work. Verse 8, because by this my Father is glorified. In this case, you are bearing fruit, but what are you bearing? You're bearing results in prayer. You're bringing fruit in prayer. They're two different things. Back to Galatians 5. So in Galatians 5, 22, it says all of these fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, love, all that. Notice the end of verse 23. Against such there is what? So what has he already told us twice before in which there's no law against? Walking in love. This is why I've told you, if you focus on walking in love, guess what will follow? 
If you, fo if you focus on walking in love, because against such there is no law. What did he say? Against such there is no law. Walk in love. If I walk in love, it will follow joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Don't walk in love, won't see any of those manifest. You don't have to go through even and learn all the nine fruits of the new spirit, man, and keep working on all those nine fruits. Practice walking in love. He simplifies it all. He says, get this one commandment. Walk in love. The minute you walk in love, you engage your new spirit, man. And when you do, all these other fruits will be an automatic benefit of what comes out of that spirit, man. This so freed me because I kept thinking, how in the world am I ever going to get to the place where I can get all of these nine fruit working in my life? At first, I thought, how do I get the Holy Spirit to release them in me? Oh, they're already there. Didn't know I already had them. Then I learned that wasn't the Holy Spirit. That made sense. Okay, so I already got that. But how do I walk in all those? How do I learn to walk in all those? Real simple. Focus on one commandment, love. You walk in love, the rest are going to follow. Verse 24, those who are Christ have what? What have they done? Crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the spirit, that means if we're born again now and have therefore a new spirit man, what should we do? What should we do? Walk in that spirit man. So again, it's capitalized and it shouldn't be. If we live in the spirit, that means if you've now received new life in the spirit, in your spirit man. Who here has received new life in your spirit man? If you've received new life in your spirit man, verse 25, what should you do? Walk in that spirit man. Walk in that new life. Let us therefore not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. Number four, I want you to get this. To walk in love, what must you do? Live your life under the leading of your new spirit nature. <clears throat> Live your life under the leading of your new spirit nature. Amen. Learn to walk under the new spirit nature, led by that spirit, and guess what you'll do? You'll start walking in love. And what will follow? Peace, joy, come on. Long-suffering, goodness, meekness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, all that will follow. A lot of people have a tough time walking in self-control. Walk in love and you won't have such a problem with self-control. Because that fruit will follow. Can I get a better amen? I'm out of time tonight. I'm going to come back Wednesday and finish this because I don't want to push through these next two and not do them justice. This is so important. But what you and I have to recognize in these verses, and primarily for us, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, and go back up and include verses 16 and 17. Walk in the Spirit. You don't fulfill the desires of the old flesh nature. Walk in your new spirit, man. You won't have a problem with your flesh. Walk in your new spirit, man. You won't have a problem with your flesh. How do I walk in my new spirit, man? Number one, by choosing to walk in love. But to do that, you got to also do what? You got to develop spiritually. To let your spirit man dominate, you got to develop that spirit nature. you got to develop that new spirit man. That new spirit man has got to become the dominant one in your life. How, how good is it to help yourself by praying in the Holy Ghost every day? Yeah, see, you, you keep building up that new spirit man, and he all of a sudden starts dominating. And where you, used, where you once used to punch, now you'll walk in love. Now you'll forgive. Now you choose to do what that new nature wants to do. Amen? I said Amen. We'll finish it Wednesday night. Praise God. 18 sounds like a better number anyway.
18 parts instead of 17. I just don't want to push through the last two and just throw them out there. I want you to learn these things. Everybody, I keep these things. These six things should be things that you know by heart that you could understand to help others with as well. If you're going to walk in love and you're not, you can always go back to one of these six things to help you to recognize this is what will help me walk in love according to the Bible. What's the first one we talked about? Renew the mind. If you don't renew the mind, how in the world are you going to walk in the love of God? There's no transformation. Right? There is no transformation without what? Renewal of the mind. You must renew the mind if you want to walk in the transformation. Amen? I said amen. What's the next one? Got to recognize it's in there. Say it's in there. You got to recognize it's already in there. What's the next one? It's not an emotion. Quit treating it like it's an emotion like you did with the natural context of your fleshly love, phileo. You got to recognize it's not an emotion. What's the third? What's the fourth one? Walk in that new spirit nature. You'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. The very first fruit of that spirit nature, love. So in essence, to walk in that new spirit nature, what do I got to do? Be dominated by the spirit man. Be dominated by the spirit man. So if you're dominated by the spirit man, are you hot? No. Hot for God. Give her a high five, man. She deserves a high five for that one. Come on. She's, she's thinking of Kenny Gatlin, I know. I'm red hot. That's what I got. Right? I am a blaze living in the last days. Red hot. Here's what I got. Fire of the Holy Ghost. That's your part. See, you missed out. Where were you? So in the context of the natural, if you walk in the spirit, are you hot in the natural? Your body will be. Your, your body will be hot in the spirit, but uh, in the natural, but your spirit doesn't get that way. Right? You, therefore, how irritated does your spirit man get when you're hot or cold? It doesn't because it's not hot or cold. It's just your flesh is. But if you walk in the spirit, you don't let that dominate you. Can I get a better amen? Stand your feet. We pray that you are blessed by the message Pastor Baker shared with you today. For more spiritual resources that can help you in your walk with God, or to invite Pastor Baker as a guest speaker, just go to our website at cffchurch.com. You will find additional teachings by video, audio, and printed resources that will be a blessing to you. May God's very best be yours.